to Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, everybody. Dr. Aviva Ram back here with you with Natural MD Radio, episode 139. I hope this episode comes to you doing something enjoyable, pleasurable, maybe something nourishing for yourself, maybe some movement outside in nature, and I hope it finds you and your loved ones well. We're all painfully aware of the changes happening to our planet. Global warming, loss of whole species of songbirds and butterflies due to extinction, changing weather patterns that are wreaking havoc on communities around the world. It's overwhelming at times to think about and maybe even a little depressing. Not to add to your worries, and I'm sorry if it does, but it's important to say the same burdens our planet is facing are being played out on the landscape of our personal and our children's health. In the past decade, we've seen continued escalation in health conditions affecting kids from allergies like food and environmental allergies to asthma, eczema, and even autoimmune conditions. I've had kids in my medical practice as young as two years old that I'm treating for conditions like rheumatoid arthritis. Many of these conditions can be traced back to environmental toxin exposures. These exposures also affect our fertility and genetics, and we pass the impact down to our babies at conception. Then we download more toxins during pregnancy. In fact, several studies have shown that by the time babies are born, they already have nearly 300 different environmental chemicals detectable in their blood. Heavy metals are a big problem too. A study done in New York showed that Asian women of childbearing age, due to their high fish consumption, had blood levels of mercury that exceeded federal lifetime safety standards, and that that mercury was able to be traced back to their fish consumption. Another study that shed light on um, food and pregnancy found that there were high levels of a toxic form of arsenic in rice, and this study was done showing that pregnant women were some of the highest consumers of it. They were eating products like energy bars, granola bars that had rice syrup in it. And in um, on my website, if you head over there while you're listening to this podcast, you'll find a corresponding blog or you can head over there anytime you want to with links to all of the studies that I talk about um, in my chat with you today. It's not just pregnant women and little ones that are affected. Laboratory tests reveal girls aged 14 to 19 across the United States are already contaminated with a load of chemicals commonly used in cosmetics and body care products, including phthalates, triclosan, and parabens. Studies link these chemicals to potential health effects, including cancer and hormone disruption. Teens use an average of nearly 17 personal care products each day, and adult women 12 care product, body care, or cosmetic products each day. So what can you do to protect those you love and the planet at the same time? My commitment was to be an ego-committed parent and person. I continue to do this even though my kids are now grown. While it can feel overwhelming to rethink one's lifestyle, it's really important to be proactive for our planet and for our health and for that of the next generations. It's what's inspired me to raise my kids and live my own life as truly close to 100% natural as possible. I'd love to share some common sense with ideas with you in the rest of this episode on how you can raise your family as an eco-warrior. 
It's not as hard as you think if you haven't already gotten started. And if you already have gotten started, thank you and brava to you. And I'm going to share maybe some next level tips that you can use. It also doesn't have to be expensive. I know that some options aren't cheap and it can be hard to budget for. And at times, some may even be impossible to fit in your budget. But I can say that my husband and I raised our kids for most of their um, up most of their years at home on a $30,000 school teacher salary and a very modest midwifery income. So we had to make these decisions too. And we became very intentional with our money, prioritizing our commitment to ecologically sound choices. And what's really convincing is that the results can be significant. Studies reveal that simply removing phthalate-containing body lotions and the use of plastic drinking cups in teenage girls can substantially reduce their phthalate levels in as little as one week's time. And switching to organic fruits and veggies primarily for children reduces their blood pesticide levels in just three days. So let's get you started or let's get you to the next level. One really great thing is that it's not weird to be eco-conscious anymore. When my kids were little, I was mean mama for not letting them wear the kinds of pajamas their friends wore at sleepovers, meaning the polyester kind with flame retardant. And don't think it was just my kids who said that. I had parents, other mothers, other homeschooling mothers kind of take me aside and say, can't you just let your little one, this one or that one, just have the pajamas or my mother-in-law or mother. But I was adamant about it. Now, three days later, the evidence is clear. Flame retardants are endocrine disruptors and can have a serious impact on children's hormonal development, which I talk about at an article separately that I link over to on avivaram.com forward slash 139. Fast forward, and now it's on trend. It's actually cool to be ecologically conscious, and that's awesome and incredibly important because the same underlying factors leading to global warming are playing out in our kids' health, as I mentioned. And we can't wait for industry or the next administration to deal with the ecological crisis or its impact on us personally. Um, So we really have to take it on ourselves to do it at least in our own homes. I've lived an eco-conscious life for nearly 40 years now. It's how I raise my kids. And now as grown-ups, they're in turn eco-conscious adults. It's really wonderful when I'm helping my daughters buy, for example, fall clothing. And they're like, yeah, mom, um, that has polyester in it. So I'm going to stick with the, you know, the organic cotton. Or my two younger daughters who basically get gently worn clothes. It's their thing. They just are really committed to... Um, to um, buying used things and they are amazing vintage and used clothing shoppers and totally, total like fashionable. It's amazing. And when my kids were little, it was also pre-internet and it was nearly impossible to find things like those pajamas that were flame retardant free or toys made of natural materials. In fact, we made our own kids blocks out of tulip poplar and other branches that we sanded and coated with oil and beeswax. And it was really hard to find organic food even back in the day. These things were also considered really weird as was I for making those choices. And I had to pay a premium um, sometimes to be eco-conscious. So it's a burden that you don't have to bear anymore. Our families thought back then that we were too radical because of our choices and it put a lot of stress on me, but I still felt that those choices were so important. And now what we know, you know, just as the tip of the iceberg on what I've already shared with you about flame retardants and phthalates as a cause, for example, of early puberty, I'm glad that I was confident. And I just want to emphasize, if you didn't do those things, 
please don't go back and beat yourself up. It's not like we're talking about DES or thalidomide here. I mean, these were things that everyone was doing. They were ubiquitous in the environment, ubiquitous choices. It was really what we were taught to do. So we did. And, you know, the problem is that um, we, you know, some of those choices did have an impact on our daughters, our sons, and we don't know, uh, you know, how to tease out what those things are that happen at home or those things that happen out in the bigger environment. But the bottom line is you can't blame yourself or beat yourself up for it. All you can do is, you know, do your best now and going forward, make those changes. And as I said, a lot of the accumulated um, toxins are actually able to be eliminated out of our bodies. We also can't change everything we're exposed to now, and none of us can single-handedly repair our planet. We can only all do our own part, and it is on industry, it is on the administration, and at the same time, it is also on us to do our part, both to reduce planetary burden burden, but also our own and our children's body burdens, which is actually a technical term that describes the amount of toxins that we've accumulated in our bodies. It's really just about stepping back and making it a way of life to make gentle shifts in the choices that you make and the values that guide those choices. In the rest of this episode, I'd like to share with you how you can make some choices in some key areas, food, use of plastic, and um, some other key things that you can do at home and teach your kids to do at home to really make a difference. And all of this is relevant whether you have kids or not. If you're planning to have a baby in the future, if you're pregnant now, um, these are really important um, considerations and shifts to make. So the first is to go organic whenever possible. When you can, shop organically. Organic food enhances your own biodiversity of what you're eating, which is really important for your own health, your microbiome, for example. But it also enhances biodiversity in the environment. It fosters higher soil quality and reduces pollution from fertilizer and pesticide runoff, which actually end up back in the food system, back in the water system, and in our bodies. However, I know that organic isn't always possible for every food item and for every individual because some of it can be expensive and access can be hard um, in various communities. So if you're having to make the call on what to buy organic and what to buy conventional, refer to the Environmental Working Group Clean 15 and Dirty Dozen. I link it up for you over at avivaron.com forward slash 139 in the Go Organic When Possible section, or you can go to ewg.org and search Clean 15 Dirty Dozen. The Clean 15 is a list of foods that are the least likely to be pesticide contaminated, even if you don't eat them organically. So the ones that you can emphasize, non-organic. The Dirty Dozen are the ones that are the most heavily pesticided, and you'll be shocked if you go and look at them, especially if you're a parent with young children, because it's often things like strawberries, grapes, things that kids commonly eat, um, celery. And um, those are the things that are most likely to be most heavily contaminated and pesticided. So don't eat those if you can't eat them organic or keep them to a real minimum in your diet. Make sure to wash them well, even though we do know that washing doesn't remove all of the environmental contaminants. 
These lists provided by the Environmental Working Group provide up-to-date information on which foods contain the most pesticides and which foods contain the least, and they update this every year. Additionally, consider joining a CSA, a community service community um, service agricultural group. Uh, a lot of communities, even inner city communities, are linked up with farms nearby that are really committed to providing food in urban environments and food in food apartheid environments. If you're not familiar with the term food apartheid, have a, a visit over to Soul Fire Farm website. It's Soul Fire Farm. And stay tuned for my next episode of Natural MD Radio in which I, re- inter- I interview the founder of Soul Fire Farm or one of the co-founders, Leah Penniman, and we talk about food apartheid CSAs, and much, much more. But they have a lot of resources over at that website, and you'll find resources on how to find um, community agricultural programs near you as well. Um, Another option is to look at places like Walmart and Costco. Believe it or not, they have gotten onto the organic trend, and in some places, Walmart has led the organic trend. They've really made a commitment to it. And so they're committed to organics at a Walmart um, price point access. So it's really great if you have access to places like that. Another place that's really important to or prioritize dairy, I'm sorry, prioritize organics is your dairy and your animal protein. So even if you can't do a lot of your produce organic, and believe me, I will never spend $4.95 for an organic peach. I would rather eat something else than eat five dollars but um uh one area that i personally don't ever compromise is my dairy and my meat products when animals are raised with antibiotics it's not to prevent them from getting infections it's to it's to fatten them up so that they can move to market faster consuming dairy and animal protein that has these antibiotics in them does the same thing to us there is a link between dairy products animal products and uh, that have been um, animals and that have been fed antibiotics and that dairy and meat that comes from it and obesity. Similarly, inorganic dairy may have been had growth hormone um, fed to the cattle. Even in organic dairy, there's still hormones, but it's much less than in um, conventional dairy. So in my house, butter because um, pesticides and herbicides and other contaminants accumulate heavily in fat. So the fat, the dairy, um, whole milk dairy, um, and all my meat is strictly organic. If it's not, I just don't get it. I'm, I'm really strict about that. And again, it's not that I'm just sort of saying, um, you know, this is bad for the environment. It's bad for the environment, but these things lead to antibiotic resistance in us. They lead to premature puberty in our girls. They lead to all kinds of hormone problems. I mean, PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, and and um, endometriosis have dramatically increased in the past few decades. And remember, these inorganic foods. They didn't exist before the 1950s. There was a whole campaign called Better Living Through Chemistry. And it's in the decades since their use has escalated in our lives, in our food, that these chronic hormonal problems have also escalated. So um, there is a connection. And the studies are, there are lots and lots and lots and lots of studies. I mean, I went through hundreds of studies 
um, preparing for my book coming out in June of 2021. Yes, it's really coming out and it's called Hormone Intelligence. And I'm so excited by the title and I'm so excited by the book. And um, hundreds of studies looking at the connection between environmental endocrine disruptors and polycystic ovary syndrome, thyroid problems, endometriosis, fertility challenges. And so think about what, you know, starting early with our boys and our girls, our children, our whatever gender they identify are as or are. Um, I don't want to um, uh, limit anyone. Um, what we feed them does have an impact on their well-being. One more area to consider with food um, in terms of organics isn't directly organic or not, but eating only low mercury fish. The omega-3 fatty acids are really important from fish. And so I do encourage giving kids fish and eating fish in the diet, unless of course you're allergic to it. And if not using an omega-3 um, fatty acid essential oil. But if you do eat fish, much of the fish that comes out of our oceans is mercury contaminated. Pretty much all of it is, in fact. I mean, even the food that's the high, lowest on the food chain or that is considered to be low mercury fish still has some of it in it. But um, there are lists available. Um, I link you over to the NRDC. That's one place you can find a list of um, the lowest mercury fish and only eat the lowest mercury fish. If you're pregnant, Definitely don't go to the middle and higher levels. Um, and for little kids, only the lowest mercury. I only eat the lowest mercury fish, salmon, sardines. Those are some examples, but there are others. Like some of the fish like tilapia, flounder, tend to be low mercury fish. So head over to NRDC or the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And again, I've got links for you over at avivaram.com forward slash 139. So we talked about eating organic. And as a, an extension of that, um, because it does also relate to food, the next big area to think about in becoming sort of an eco-warrior mom and an eco-conscious family is to go plastic-free. As of 2015, approximately 6,300 metric tons of plastic waste has been generated. Apparently, this is like enough to go around the planet like 200 times or something like that if you laid it and then it's some insane amount like that. And only 9% of it has been recycled. And recycling is really important. I'm going to talk more about it in a minute. But recycling, um, the original um, campaign around recycling was to actually not just recycle, but it was to reduce. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Recycle was the last part of it. So a lot of us haven't made the effort to reduce and reuse. We just think it's okay to consume and then put it in recycling. And if you've done recycling, you've done your good deed. But recycling centers are actually oversaturated. So most of what's ending up in recycling centers is actually not being recycled. And as I was saying, only 9% of plastic is recycled. Much of the rest of it ends up in one of three places, in landfills or the natural environment, which accounts for about 70-something percent of it, or up in smoke, literally, it gets incinerated. And I will tell you, incinerated plastic is something that we all end up breathing in, even if it's diluted in, you know, throughout the atmosphere, we're getting, we're breathing it in. By 2050, it's estimated that that 6,300 metric tons will more than double to about 15,000 metric tons. And this is just an astonishing statistic. 79% of the plastic that's ever been produced, ever, has been discarded. Just 21% of all the plastic that's ever been produced 
is in active use. And again, I have links over at my podcast if you don't want to just take it from me. Also astonishing is the volume and the effect of the plastics and other common environmental toxins we're using and exposed to in our daily lives on our personal health. Plastics, amongst other chemicals, act as xenoestrogens or foreign estrogens. These are endocrine disruptors, and they're found pretty much everywhere in places like our makeup, bug sprays, sunscreens, inorganic foods, food packaging that seeps into our foods, um, household cleaners, and more. They're a category, xenoestrogens are a category of endocrine disruptors that have an estrogen-like effect, which can cause hormonal havoc in the body, causing symptoms from heavy periods to cyclic breast pain, endometriosis, and more, and are a big trigger for early puberty in our girls. Just from our diet and our environment alone, the average person consumes the weight of a credit card in microplastics each week. And some of these pieces are small enough to penetrate into our through our tissue from our intestines. They penetrate through our intestines into our tissue where they trigger immune system reactions. Yuck. Reducing the amount of endocrine disruptors you and your family absorb into your bodies is essential for hormone balance. Now for yourself and in the long run for your kids. While it may seem like a small thing to do, Getting the plastic out of our lifestyle and especially our food sources is so important. I try to live truly, truly as close to as a 100% plastic-free life as possible. So I personally will choose to pay the dollar more for a cosmetic that comes in a reusable, refillable uh, lipstick container that I might get from Credo, for example, um, which is an online um, organic clean cosmetics company. There are two that I go to, um, Credo and Folane. And in fact, I have an interview in my podcast from about a year and a half ago, I think, with Tara Foley, who is a mom who is also an entrepreneur and created Folane for herself when she wanted cleaner cosmetics um, when she was becoming a mom. So um, I really do make that effort. I don't buy my food in plastic containers unless it's just something I absolutely have to have and there's literally no other option for it. It's not something I could make at home and I, I have to have it for something we use on our, you know, in our in our diet or something like that. Um, and I don't use, I don't purchase things in plastic packaging. I just will always opt for another choice. It does take more work. Um, it also sometimes takes doing without something. I really wanted to make an arugula salad. Um, this past week, um, we were having a holiday day together with my kids um, on Zoom, and we coordinated making the same dinner. And I um, was going to make an arugula salad with apples and toasted walnuts, but we don't have any arugula left in our garden. We've had too much um, of a hard freeze this year. So I went to my local community grocer and the only arugula they had was in plastic boxes, you know, those hard plastic things that you can buy like pre-washed greens in. So I didn't. I chose for a bulk lettuce instead. These are the kinds of choices. It does take a little bit more work to think about, but I promise you, it becomes second nature. Once you make the choice, you start seeing the other options and you go for the other options whenever you can. So here are some of the things you can do. Avoid foods that come in soft plastic wrap or are stored or microwaved in plastic. Now, this might mean going to a deli counter and buying your cheese off of a block that's been cut for you if you buy cheese rather than buying it in soft plastic wrap. 
It might be mean um, buying your dairy in glass containers rather than in, uh, and that, but you know, you have to do the work of um, bringing those back to get recycled. And right now, given the pandemic, you know, I think we all need to give ourselves a little bit of a pass. I know that some of these things might be, um, you know, harder to do. So I just want to acknowledge that. But to the extent that you can, we still have to take care of the environment and ourselves during the pandemic. And it's no joke. I mean, when, when these, foods are studied, it's very clear that these um, these plastics and plasticizers are leaching out into our foods. So avoid foods that come in soft plastic wrap. Uh, hard plastic doesn't seem to leach quite as much into foods, but that said, when you do store food in the refrigerator, try to use glass containers or stainless steel containers. Like I don't have any plastic Tupperware in my house and you can get the glass kind. They go in the dishwasher. They're really affordable. They last forever. They don't usually crack around the edges the way Tupperware and plastic containers do. And a lot of times they go from fridge to oven. So I reheat in them sometimes as well, like as if they're a casserole pan. Um, and you can get them at places like Target and Walmart or online at some of the big places online, which I'm just going to leave nameless right now. Swap out your water bottles. Instead of drinking out of plastic, opt for glass or stainless steel and ditto that on all your other beverages. Don't get don't, if you buy coffee out, don't drink it through the plastic lid. Drink, take the lid off and don't sip through hot, don't sip a hot beverage through plastic, which is that going to, it's going to loosen the molecules and you'll be sipping back even more of the plastics and plasticizers. My favorite choice is um, for glass bottles is the Life Factory bottle. I have had the same wonderful bright red glass drinking bottle since 2008. I have dropped it in a concrete parking lot at least twice. It went through medical school, no, it went through residency with me, has traveled with me. I'm still using the same one. They also make kids sizes and baby bottles. If you do use a bottle for feeding your baby, choose a glass bottle, not a plastic bottle, and make sure your pacifiers and bottle nipples are BPS and phthalate free. Ditto that if you use a binky or a pacifier. Avoid takeout in plastic containers. Minimize takeout to avoid excess plastic waste and packaging waste and find creative ways to enjoy leftovers in your glass containers to minimize food waste. When you can, order or shop foods in bulk and use your own cloth bags for shopping and storing. Again, I use cloth bags. I put, I don't take plastic bags. I'm like, I'm, I know you guys, I'm like a little hardcore, but I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, but I'm really that committed. I really walk my talk. So I don't, look, when I buy um, apples at the grocery store, I don't put them in plastic containers. I either put them into these reusable um, mesh bags that I have, which last for years, or I actually, to the chagrin of the checkout people every time, because I show up at checkout with my my apples rolling on the cart and my lemons and my limes and everything like in separate, you know, just free form. Um, but I don't ever bring home plastic bags. So it's just, you know, it's a little extra work for me. It takes an extra second. It makes, get, I get to chat with the checkout person a little longer. Um, but really, really important. These, you know, all those, all that little bit does make a difference. Um, and then um, opt for reusable household products whenever you can. Like sip, um, if your dish soap, if you can buy that in bulk, um, your skin soap. Uh, I know that Folane, if you buy their liquid soap, you can actually, um, they have an exchange program to get a discount and recycle and uh, refill your bottle. So these are things that you can um, do. And then with your kids, 
opt for wooden and natural toys over plastic. We did have a couple of plastic toys that were given to us over the years. One of my kids had a Lego set. I can't get non-plastic Legos. And one and someone gave my kids a plastic farmyard. And so they could take that in the bath and play with it. And they had a little plastic tea set that they could use in the bath. But I'm talking four kids and I can literally cite to you what their plastic toys were. And, you know, they had wooden blocks. They had fabrics that they could drape over things and make into um, playhouses. They had a wooden stove that my husband and I saw one online and we decided to make it ourselves, you know, for the purchase of um, a, a bit of wood at Home Depot and um, a skill saw or a, a little jigsaw, sorry. And um, we had, I mean, we just, you know, we just did that. We just lived that way and they played outside a lot and they read books a lot too. And they're really cool adults. So opt for wooden toys over plastic, create toy shares in your community. Obviously with COVID, can't do it right now, but in general, once we're past this, um, you know, find ways to share, pass things down, pass things up, etc. And then keep in mind, less is more. This is another really big principle to live by in general. Just for example, if you've had a baby, you know how much family, friends, and the child rearing industry are going to try to convince you of what you need. Dozens of onesies, dozens of toys, the newest carrier and rocker, you know, developmentally appropriate games, things that rock your baby to sleep. And if you've had a baby, you also know how quickly they outgrow these gadgets and gizmos and how much space they take up in your house, which is a perspective on if you multiply that by every family that's having babies, how quickly that all ends up getting tossed away and hopefully passed on to somebody else, but often not so much. And it ends up as part of, you know, just more trash. And a lot of times we never even use those things. I will, I promise you when my kids were, when, when I was having babies, my entire repertoire of baby stuff included a rebozo, a cloth baby carrier, cloth diapers and natural covers, a diaper bag, cloth, as you guessed, baby blankets and cotton baby clothes. I did not have a single bit of baby paraphernalia, not one thing. And it's amazing. My kids grew up and they're amazing adults. You don't need all the stuff. You really, really don't. Like all the baby registry stuff, I promise you, you will save yourself so much space in your home or apartment, which you may be even more cramped up in right now than usual with being home in the pandemic. Um, you know, and, and that's another thing I'm, I'm hearing parents telling me because of COVID, they're like buying their kids new toys every week to compensate out of guilt. I had a patient tell me that recently. You don't have to do that. You can let them be creative. There's something to be said for kids having less and becoming innovative with what they do have. And I know um, that some of that mentality has led to my kids being really creative, entrepreneurial, um, or art creative adults as well. So before loading up your registry with every suggested item under the sun, take a moment to think about what you absolutely need and what is likely frivolous. And here are some of the things to keep in mind. Use cloth diapers or a cloth diaper service if you need to do a diaper service whenever possible. Disposable diapers are a large source of microplastics in the environment. They also are absorbed in your baby. It can be done 100%. I promise you, I have never once, I've raised four kids and I 
swear to you, I never once, ever, ever, ever used a disposable diaper, not once. And we traveled cross country. I mean, I took kids to births with me. And I'm not saying I'm better than anyone else. That's not what this is about. I'm just saying it can be done if you want to and you're committed to it. If cloth diapers or diaper service is just not an option for you, then there are lots of phenomenal biodegradable disposable options. Just make sure that you're leaning toward those. And that is, in my opinion, where it is important to spend a little more if they cost a little more, because that's a choice that we're making to not use the cloth. Um, and no matter how you consider the washing, the energy and the water used in washing, it's not the same as the um, just the irrefutable fact that the plastic diapers don't break down in the landfill. Use eco-friendly and eco-safe textiles on all the um, things you use around and with your baby as much as possible. Clothing, sheets, towels, um, boppies, if you're using a nursing boppy, like a nursing pillow. Um, all of these things are actually, uh, if uh, if they're not organic or not naturally made, uh, flame retardant. And that does absorb into your skin. It does absorb into babies. And so um, just avoid everything you can that's flame retardant, retardant. And I talk more about that in another article that you'll also see the link to over at my, um, my blog page that goes with this podcast. Again, if you can avoid plastic toys, avoid plastic toys. They just never degrade. Go for the natural options instead. Um, it's, it's a really just a great way to go. And then purchase as much pre-loved things as possible. Clothes, toys, books, high chairs, cribs, you name it. If you use any of that stuff, I promise your, your newborn and your toddler will not know the difference at all. And make sure they're natural materials when you purchase them um, pre-loved as well. Another thing that I just want to mention, because I've talked about conception and pregnancy a few times, is start at conception or before. Ideally, start six months before conception to become an eco-warrior mom. The toxic load we've built up prior to pregnancy can have an impact. So, um, you know, and we do know that washout studies, which means what happens when you um, study someone's urine or blood before they switch to organic, for example, and then after. And we know that it's just a span of a few days. You can eliminate significant amount of toxins from your body. But what that also means is because they wash through your body so easily and you're filtering stuff to your baby, whatever you're not taking out of your diet or lifestyle is actually washing out through you, but washing into your baby. So you want to ideally spend a few months sort of uh, air quotes here, cleaning up your toxin exposure preconception whenever possible, and then certainly once you do become pregnant. And there are three simple steps you can take to kind of kind of create a healthier preconception and pregnancy environment. The first is to eat organic and of course the low mercury fish. The second is to reduce your xenoestrogen exposure. All the ways I've talked about, swap out your body products, cosmetics, water bottles, uh, food storage containers, household cleaning products. And the third is to make sure that your diet consists of a wide range of foods that support your own natural detoxification processes um, and make sure you're eliminating, like as in pooping every day. And I talk more about that at another article that I link over to um, at avivaram.com forward slash 139. So sort of just 
bringing it home here, I want to talk about raising your kids to be eco-warriors. My biggest tip for raising an eco-conscious family is to integrate your family into every single one of the choices that I've just talked about. Don't just make environmentally sustainable decisions for your family, but make them with your family. Shop and cook together and explain why you're purchasing some foods over others, why you're storing in glass containers rather than plastic, and why we're avoiding takeout whenever possible. This engages kids in learning how to shop smartly, not take home unnecessary packaging, and how to cook. If you do recycle, which I still hope you do, or compost, get your kids in on the act. Teach them to sort the recycling and explain why it's so important. Show them how vegetable waste can turn into soil, and then show them how to grow a plant in it, even if it's just a pot in your windowsill of some herbs that you use in your cooking or something wonderful that they enjoy growing. Teach your kids the basics, like how to shut off the light when they leave a room, to not leave the water running when they're doing things like washing their hands or brushing their teeth, and give them slippers and a cozy at-home you know, jammies or something that that allow you to keep the thermostat set lower at home, right? If everyone's running around barefoot and in, you know, a t-shirt, although kids burn so hot, they might be happy with that anyway, we tend to turn the thermostat up instead of keeping it at a, a lower temperature and dressing accordingly. And as your kids get older, here's a really big thing. Consider how many electronics you have in your household and perhaps opt for one iPad, one TV, fewer phones, and fewer computers. Explain why you purchase pre-loved clothing and pre-loved toys to them, the stories these items might contain in their fibers from their past owner, and allow your little ones to complete the circle by giving away some of their own gently loved clothing and toys. Show them how happy it it inevitably makes another child. And teach them that new and more doesn't always mean better. Back to talking about um, electronics at home, information technology from powering internet servers to charging smartphones is estimated to have the same carbon footprint as the aviation industry's fuel emissions. How we shift our digital device and internet use is considered critical to whether we'll be able to arrest climate change in time, according to a Greenpeace analyst. Even if you're not using your device, by having home Wi-Fi active, you're consuming energy. So think about sharing devices on rotation. Don't just trade in your old models the minute the new versions hit the market. And I'm personally known in my family for having kept one of my laptops for eight years. And turn off Wi-Fi when you're not using it and unplug devices before bed each night. Also consider non-electronic device activities for your kids. And again, I know with COVID it's harder, but good old-fashioned play and getting off electronics more is not only good for our kids' minds and moods, but it's really important for the environment. And when I talk about kids' minds and moods, it's a really serious thing. The rise in depression and suicide in teenage girls has exactly matched their increased use of social media, and it's good for the planet. Explain all of this to your kids in a way that makes it fun and important for them to be a part of, not scary and onerous. That each of these actions helps reduce electricity and water generation, which are two of the largest sources of carbon emissions. Each of these decisions are opportunities to teach your little ones and your older ones and to practice ourselves valuable lessons and raise them and live our lives with an awareness of how our actions and our choices impact the world around us. Can you imagine if the next generation was raised with this consciousness and respect for our mother earth? A wave of environmental warriors who are passionate about loving and protecting the planet from their very first steps, words, and memories? I can, and I like the way it looks.
We can't simply wait for policymakers, industry leaders, or the government to change the course of our planetary catastrophe, and with it, our personal and health and safety and that of the next generations. The change does start with us, how we live, what we teach our children, and how our own health depends on the many small choices we make each day. I hope you found this filled with gems that you can use, food for thought, food for conversations at home, and maybe some fun new projects that you could do, even if you are sheltering in place, like going through your kitchen with your family, going through your your household products, and starting to swap out those things that can make your life healthier, make our planet healthier, and are just a really great way to homeschool your kids about what's important. Thank you so much for joining me. I will see you on the next episode of Natural MD Radio. If you've enjoyed this, found it helpful, feel like other folks you know will find it valuable, please remember to share it with others. If you haven't already subscribed, subscribe at your favorite place to listen to podcasts and make sure to leave a comment and a rating if you love it um, because that helps us rise in the ranks so that as many other Um, mamas and families um, can get this information as possible. See you next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.